Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we honor you. We worship you. Lord, we seek and desire your glory. We seek and desire your glory in the church, Lord, in in our homes, in the midst of our relationships, Lord. We seek and desire your glory in our minds, in our thoughts, in our words, Lord, that everything that we would do be glorifying and honoring to you. Lord, let no meditation of our heart, let no word of our mouth, let no thought of our mind, let no action of our bodies, Lord, come into contrast or defiance of your glory, Lord. May may we be torchbearers of your glory. Lord, and may I be in this moment faithful in your word. Settle. Settle and calm our hearts in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have um, if you have a copy of your of uh, scripture, uh, I'd ask that you would pick it up, and we're going to be in First um, Corinthians chapter twelve today. Thanks, Bill. I would like to tell you that I prepared, um, I prepared my sermon in light of um, what just happened, but I, I can't, can't say that I did, but we're going uh, to trust that the Lord, in the way that only the Lord knows how, uh, will weave together uh, through His Holy Spirit a word for the church today. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, So 1 Corinthians 12 is Paul's kind of like summa cum laude explanation on spiritual gifts. And there's a lot of discussion around the topic of spiritual gifts, um, but it's almost always, it almost always circles around the, uh, the description of each gift, what the gift means, what it seeks to do, um, and how it is, I mean, maybe the, some of the contemporary conversation about it is how those gifts are either used or uh, abused in the church or in life in general. And, and Paul wants to be very clear here uh, when he's speaking to the Corinthians. In fact, the very first thing um, that he says 
in 1 Corinthians 12 when he's about to start this whole long description of spiritual gifts is he says, he says look, uh, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. That, that Paul's greatest desire here, or at least his, his opening comments on spiritual gifts is like he wants to dispel any ignorance, any, any lack of knowledge, any, um, any place where there's been misunderstanding, any place where people don't um, have gotten the wrong idea, that he wants to clear the slate, so to speak, of people's understanding of what it means to be a gifted person within the body of Christ. And so that's his, that's his kind of like his opening, um, his opening remark. He says, you know that when we were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols, in verse 2. Therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Paul is beginning to make his case for what indeed is a spiritual gift that comes from God and what is not. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Here's a few things that we need to understand about spiritual gifts from Paul's words here. First, if we look at verses 4 and 6 in Romans chapter 12, we learn that, um, that it is the, the same God, the same Spirit, the same Lord that gives different kinds of gifts. Okay? So, um, I might have gift X, and I know that Phil has gift Y, and Carol has um, gift A. And there's a, we, we look around and we see that, that based on people's life experience, based on, uh, based maybe on the education that they have, uh, based on the like the, the, the influencing power of the Holy Spirit, there are things about their life that are significant. There are things that sometimes we say they're just really, really, really good at, really, really, really gifted at. And we can look at two, two different people and they can have two completely opposite, totally like opposite end of the spectrum type of gifts you would make you might like classify them as someone who is like so ridiculously type a over here right and someone over here who is so ridiculously type b right or left brain and right brain right when i look at when i look at like an accounting sheet I might as well be looking at Chinese, okay? Right? But you take a guy like um, Scott Bensink, right? 
and, and he looks at an accounting sheet and he sees poetry, right? right? And I think it's just flat out crazy, right? Um, but, but, but what Paul wants to communicate here, right, is that while there are different gifts and the different giftings that sit within each of us create a diversity within the community of faith, that what we need to keep at the forefront of our mind is that even in the diversity of who God has created us to be, we were all given gifts by the same one. By the same God. By the same Lord. By the same Father. You see, what happens... Well, let's go on to what he says next. Paul declares in verse, uh, in verse 7 of chapter 12 the purpose of spiritual gifts. Why do spiritual gifts um, exist at all? What is, the, uh, what is the point of them? Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Spiritual gifts are, are given so that the work of the Spirit, the, the presence of the Spirit, the, the movement of the Spirit within the whole community of faith can be manifested within one individual person. But it's not, gifts are never meant, um, according to Scripture, to be for the benefit of the one person. They are, they, are, they are never meant to increase um, the stock that, a, that one single person has amongst the community of faith, right? Like, oh, well, they're really good at this, and that's the most important gift, so um, therefore, um, they are put on a pedestal above um, a person who just has this gift, or a person who has, just has, has this gift. Paul says that the manifestations of the Spirit are given in gift form not for the benefit of the individual person, but for the common good of God's family. For the, for the benefit of those who are included in the body of Christ. And I think we need, to, we need to be aware here that... Um, we need to be aware of that. And this kind of is like, you know, so these first four, these first really seven verses are kind of like understand. They're like Paul's little bullet points about spiritual gifts, all right? So it might seem like a little herky-jerky here, right? But, but Paul is um, maybe not doing it purposefully, but that's kind of how this, the format of this section of Scripture is, all right? Um, but when he, when he gets to verse 8, he begins to describe, um, like, for the Corinthians, all right, so you want to know what I'm talking about then. We're talking about spiritual gifts. We're talking about manifestations of the Spirit. We're talking about the work of the Spirit in the life of the individual, but for the common good. Let me give you some examples here of what I'm talking about, Paul says. For instance, verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. 
to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, we could get into the argument here that, that Paul just lists off a comprehensive list of all the spiritual gifts. And if you can't find yourself in one of those, then I guess the Spirit skipped over you when he was giving out gifts, right? But listen, but listen, Paul's purpose was never to, to set out and say, okay, I'm going to list every spiritual gift that is in existence, and you need to find yourself or you need to fit into one of these molds. Not only does the Scripture just plain out never say this is a comprehensive list, right? But it's pretty irresponsible of us, right? Um, spiritually speaking, to, uh, to believe that the Holy Spirit only gifts in very, very specific ways. And we have all of them here, right? And if you don't fit into one of these lists, then guess what? Um, you're not gifted by the Spirit at all. Why is it important for us to not hold on to this idea that, that the list in 1 Corinthians 12 is all that there ever is or was in regards to spiritual gifts. Because in verse 11, Paul goes on to say, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. What do you see, what jumps out at you most when you read through verses, verses 8 through verses 10? You see, when I read them, I don't see the listing of the gifts. You could say that there's knowledge, wisdom, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, um, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. I mean, I think you could reasonably make that argument, but if you listen to the flow of what Paul says here, another word, another thing jumps out at you. Not the individual gifts, but listen once again. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of the knowledge of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between Spirit. What is the purpose here? What is the point? Paul is making the point that it's not the gifts that matter. The, do gifts matter? Absolutely. But we become so focused on the gift that we completely forget the giver. What happens is that when we focus only on the individual gift, well, I have the gift of prophecy. Well, I have the gift of tongues. Well, I have the gift of interpretation. Well, I have the gift of wisdom. Well, I, 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 creates, it does the opposite of what God wants to do here, right? God wants us to understand that the manifestations of the Spirit within us are for the common good, right? They are for the benefit of the whole. They are for the benefit of the community of faith. And when we cherry-pick specific gifts as having more honor or being more important or, 
or being on uh, the pedestal, all we do is create division in the body. We create separation. We create hierarchy. We, com we create comparison. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I know I'm gifted at that, but if I was just gifted like that person, then I would be so much more effective. Or, or I don't like my gift. Can I give it back? Can I, can I have one that's maybe a little bit more prominent, that people notice a little bit more? It's, you know, a little, little bit more sleek and sexy and, you know, like. And the idea here, um, the idea here is that Paul's ultimate desire is to unite the church in their understanding of purpose. He wants them to see how critical how critical they are for each other. How absolutely critical they are for each other. And so he's like, okay, um, I just gave this list. Um, I just tried to drive home this idea that it's all about the spirit, not about the individual. It's all about the way that the spirit unites people, not divides them according to gifts. How can I communicate this in a way that every, everyone will understand? And so he uses this, um, I can never get it right if it's a metaphor or an analogy or a euphemism or what, but he uses this description, okay? And it's a, the description of a body. Okay? And he says, he says this. He's like, think of, think of it like this. Imagine it like this, Paul says. The body is a unit. And though it is made up of many parts, all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by, how many spirits? One Spirit into one body. Whether we were Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, we were all given the one Spirit. You see, Paul wants to unite us, right? He has, he has no thought in his mind. He has no desire in his mind. He has no motive in his heart to use the description or the, the place of spiritual gifts as a, as a way in which to separate, as a way in which to, to, um, to breed comparison between people. He only desires to bring people together for the common good. It says in verse 14, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, here's what we do, right? We, we play this comparison game, right? I really wish I um, was gifted musically. Confession, right? I really wish I was gifted musically. Like any of these people that were, that were up here. Man, I wish I could do that, okay? But if the foot should say, 
Well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, listen, church, you need to know this. This is a word personally to you and collectively to us, all right? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, you. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all just one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You need to know something. You need to know how critical and important and valuable you are to the body of Christ. You, you need to know that even, um, that in spite of, in fact, despite your own self-doubt about who you are, about what you've been gifted to be and do, your own doubt about who God, who, what, the things that God has, has brought you through that have, that have formed who you are, the experiences that have formed who you are, the, the innate, you, you, know, you know the thing, right? You know the thing that, that is just easy for you, right? That is hard for other people. You, you know that thing that the Holy Spirit's bringing up in your mind right now, even in this moment, that, that when you do it, it's like, oh, man, I was, I was born to do this. It is easy. Not only is it easy, but I love doing it. And not only is it easy, and do I love doing it, but that guy over there hates doing it, and it's super hard for him. Why? Why is that so? What, 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 why does that happen? Because God has arranged the parts in the body every one of them just as he has wanted them to be. That God had a, that God had a, a, a purpose and, um, and a plan and, and a place for you. That God, has, that God has arranged the circumstances of your life, the gifts of your life, the desires of your heart, the, 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 the relationships that you have, and brought you to a place where he has arranged, not by chance, but on purpose, a whole community of people that collectively, together, manifest his spirit in the world for the common 
good. You, you are indispensable. You are an indispensable part of the body of Christ. You are an indispensable part of the church that is conduit. You matter. You matter. You are not here by chance. You are supposed to be here. No, I'm not supposed to be here. I just decided to come this Sunday. Or No, you don't understand. The only reason I'm here is because I left my other church because this happened and that happened. Or, yeah, well, I was a friend with this person and they asked me to come, but I'm not actually supposed... No, uh-uh. No, listen, you don't, you don't understand, right? Um, you are here on purpose. And the circumstances and relationships and situations of your life have brought you to this very moment where even in your defiance of the word being proclaimed right now, I'm not here on purpose. Hey, bro, you're still here, right? You're still here. And God has a desire for you in this body. And God has a place for you in this body. And guess what? When you're not here, the body is not complete. When you're, when you're missing either an actual physical presence or just in spirit, right? When my mind is, when my spirit has gone off that way, when I'm missing just in my actual physical presence, it hurts the body. Paul goes on to say in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. You ever break a toe? You've broken a toe before, haven't you? How much does that crap screw up your whole life, right? You can't even walk, right? You know, like, and, then, and so, then, so then you walk funny for like four weeks, right? And then when you walk funny in four weeks, what ends up happening? It's not just your toe that hurts anymore. Now it's your knee because you've been walking all funny. And because your knee hurts, now your back hurts. And now your back hurt and your neck hurts, right? And your whole life is thrown out of kilter because of the one little thing that you thought you could do without a not broken toe, right? Ends up like screwing everything up. You laugh because you know it's true, right? It's so true. The hand cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. Just like the back can't say to the toe, I don't need you whole. I'm strong. I'm big. I'm important. I'm the center of the person. I hold everything else up. And little pinky toes being like, I'll show you, bro. <laughs> Break. Done. Game over. 
parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Verse 24, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be what? No division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You are indispensable to the body. You are indispensable to this place. When you suffer, we all suffer. When you hurt, we all hurt. When you are honored, we all get to share in that honor. When you are joyful, we all get to share in that joy. Just like we all get to share in the pain. How easy it would be for us. Uh, man, how easy it would be for us today to be divided. Like, I feel like the devil is just like waiting with his little sledgehammer ready to smash some toes on the way out. How easy would it be for us to begin, for us to continue in a game of comparison and sides and division and forget that the purpose of the Holy Spirit of God living in you, living in me, living in us, is for us to be together. Amen. Is for us to share in the grief of a moment and for us to share in the joy of of what God is preparing to do. You are indispensable to this body. You are not here by accident. You are not here. You, you do not have only a small part. You have been gifted you have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You have, God has, God has arranged you in this place at this time with a specific purpose for this season of life as a body of Christ. You must be here. You must press into that. 
You must stand tall. It's okay to, be, to, to, to experience grief. We experience it together. We have one and the same spirit. You're not different than me. I'm not different than you. We share the same spirit. God has united us together in this moment, for this time, in this season, for these reasons. Has God left us? God has not left us. And so, when we consider, okay, I don't know where the band is, but they can start to come up because I feel like I need rescued off this stage. Um, <laughs> when I'm ready to go, I'm just going to dive and hope Corey catches me. <sighs> so, listen, when we approach moments like this, right? There's this, there's this tendency, or there's this, I'll, I'll, I'll say, there's like this, um, there's like this initial reaction of like, where your soul is like screaming, crying out, and want to scatter, want to run, want to run from everything I'm feeling, want to um, run from the reality of the situation want to get away as fast as I can, want to go start somewhere else, want to, want to have a fresh start somewhere else, but like, listen, 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 listen. The Spirit is saying, be drawn to one another. Come closer to one another. Get tight to one another. God has not left us. God has not left us. We grieve. We have sorrow. But we have it together. We experience it together. We pray through it together. We move on together. And we will. Because God is 